Uh, so if you have your Bibles, uh, that's the title of the serv- uh, this message this morning is Imperfect Serving the Perfect. Amen. Imperfect Serving the Perfect. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse 15. For it is all for your sake that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. The time I go back to that, flip back to that. That's really good. It's for our sake. Good that grace is extended to more and more people. This is not an exclusive club. This isn't some special club. This isn't the He-Man Woman Hater Club. Remember that? Alpha Alpha and the gang, right? Spanky, the He-Man Woman Hater Club, right? This isn't an exclusive club. Jesus says, the Word of God tells me, Paul here wrote... More and more people. It's, it's for our sake when more and more people extend grace and receive grace. May it increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Verse 16. For we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. That's exciting. It's exciting, isn't it? The outer man is wasting away. Right? It makes us get up in the morning. Woo! Our inner self, the Bible says, is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Amen. There's no comparison. You can't, there's nothing to compare it to on the imperfect side. There's nothing to compare it to. As we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, or I think the King Jimmy says temporary, right? They're temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Gosh, that's good. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for Living Faith Church. We thank you for the name of Jesus. Uh, Lord, that we can speak that in every situation, in every aspect of our life, in every day of our life, we can speak that name. Uh, Lord, even even when we can't say it, we can pray it. Even Even when we can't muster it up, Lord, I believe you send people along the way to speak the name of Jesus over us so that that name can change our hearts and change our lives. Lord, I pray that you will use this word today to encourage us, uh, make us smile, make us realize that you are in control and that we're not. Uh, Let us know that you got this, God, and all we have to do is submit to you, give our lives to you, dedicate ourselves to you, and watch you work. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. amen. Imperfect serving the perfect. We're imperfect people. But some of you... You're not perfect. I'll be the first person to tell you that. Maybe, maybe, maybe your mommy told you when you were a kid, you're perfect. She was lying. Your mom lied to you when she told you you were perfect. You're not. Right? You're not. There are no perfect people on the planet. There are no perfect churches. Right? You thought, you thought when you showed up today at Living Faith Church, you found the perfect church. Guess what? When you walked in, it was no longer perfect. Right? When I walked in, it was no longer perfect. Frank Thomas is as close to perfect as you'll get when he walked in, but it still wasn't perfect, right? You may think your job is perfect. No, it's not. Because on Tuesday, you hate it, right? Right? You walk in on Monday, just the happiest person. Man, it's a great weekend. Had a good church service. Woo, had a good time. Yes, sir. Had a wonderful weekend. By 10 o'clock, you hate life. Right? Am I wrong? The world falls apart. Somebody calls you with a, about a problem. You know, I, I, I got people that work for me. And I tell them all the time. 
As a manager, and I'll say this as one of your pastors, good news doesn't get better over time. Or bad news doesn't get better over time, right? So I tell them all the time. I say, guys, what are you waiting on? Well, I just didn't want to upset your day. Well, so Friday, it's okay to do it on Friday? Right? Bad news doesn't get any better. And, but some reason, us imperfect people think, well, if we just sit on it, it'll, it'll, it'll lessen the blow. It won't be as bad, right? We're imperfect people serving a perfect God. That's, that's, that's hard. That's a really hard balance there. That's a hard balance there for us. So we do not lose heart, the Bible here tells us in 2 Corinthians. It's a reminder from time to time that I need in my life. Don, don't lose heart. I know it's easy to get discouraged. I know it's easy to get frustrated. I know it's, sometimes it's easy to say, I want to quit. But don't give up. Don't give up. I need reminded. We tend at the, at the beginning of every calendar flip. Forget that the outer self... It's getting older. It's harder to maintain. Yes, it is. Um, the inner self, though, the Bible says, is being renewed day by day. Day by day. I mean, I, I, I came back to exercise class yesterday. I'm a little sore. I won't lie. Um, I do want to say this. We do have a free, absolutely positive free, like Wednesday night dinner. Every Tuesday evening at 6... And every Wednesday, Saturday morning at 9, right, uh, we have an exercise class. Uh, and if you feel you're imperfect, guess what? We can try to perfect the outer body a little bit, right? And, and we have about 6 to 8, 10 people. Kevin is a certified personal trainer. And it costs absolutely nothing. We got weights. We got dumbbells. We got all kinds of stuff going on up there, right? I mean, we got, we got tools to work with. We got jump rope. You know, I, I, we, we did jump rope, 70 jump rope. Yesterday was about forgiveness. There's always a spiritual. I don't know why he tries to make everything physical about spiritual and exercise because there's nothing spiritual about exercising me. I know it is, but he does a really good job. But we got these, I, David, I'm a terrible jump roper now. You know, back in the day, I could probably do it. I can't do it now. My feet don't want to leave the ground, right? And, uh, but he's got this little dummy jump rope. It, it's about this long on each side. Just, right? It was awesome. I was the Boone County Ninja for a few moments. I looked at Nina or uh, uh, Amanda. I said, "Don't go ninjing with the Boone County Ninja." I was doing this, uh, but that's what happens in exercise class. Uh, but I, I did my seventy jump rope, but I never left the ground. My arms were going right. Uh, but but it's a really good time. And and I, I will say this: the Bible says, and I think it's Second Timothy that it pro- at bodily exercise profiteth little, but it does have profit. It, there is value in it, right? There is value in it. So if you want to come and, and exercise with us on Tuesdays and Saturdays, I promise you'll laugh because there's a dumbbell there. And I promise you'll, you'll get something out of it. You can modify it, be encouraged with that. But the outward man is perishing. And there's not a lot we can do about it. We can, we can slow it down. We can try to minimize it. But at the end of the day, it's still perishing. It's still waxing old. It's getting older, right? But the new inside man, the inside guy... The Bible says can be renewed. And I want to say can be because it's not always renewed every day. Because if you're not speaking the name of Jesus, there's not a whole lot of renewal going on on the inside guy. Right? Right? That, that, that guy's got to... I mean, it just doesn't renew on its own. There's got to be a relationship with Jesus Christ that causes that renewal to take place. Verse 16 says, The outward man perishes. Even though we do everything to prevent it, the inward man is renewed. The Greek word there is ankanu. 
and canoe. It means to renovate, to restore to good condition. That's what God does to the spiritual man. He restores us to good condition every day. Some of you need it every day. I need it every day, right? We need that mercy and that grace every day. Everybody wants a new beginning. Everyone wants a new look. Everyone wants a makeover. Remember that very first, before there was an HGTV on Sunday nights, uh, was Dr. Phil's son, was that the guy that did that? Extreme makeover. He would go into someone's house. He'd send him to Disney World or somewhere for seven days. And they would just totally renovate. They would do an extreme makeover on that house. Right? And they'd come back and they, they couldn't even believe it. You know, they'd be crying. And we'd go home on church after every Sunday night and try to watch the show. Right? Because it, it, was, it was dramatic to watch the impact that a makeover, something that extreme could do to someone's life. But how many of you know we all need an extreme makeover in the spiritual? Right? We need something going on in the spiritual. We need an extreme makeover. We don't like the word extreme when it comes to us. Right? It's cool to watch those Red Bull guys do extreme sports. Jump out of airplanes. Right? Jump off cliffs. All that stuff. Right? I mean, Evil Knievel, that's how his son passed away too this week. Robbie Knievel passed away. Uh, but I remember watching Evil Knievel as a kid. It was the coolest thing ever. Right? But I wasn't dumb enough to jump on a motorcycle and try to jump 10 school buses either. It's easy when you're watching and not participating. But when it comes to extreme in our own lives, whoa. I mean, again, I couldn't even jump rope. I had the fake rope. Right? I, that's as extreme as I got yesterday was this. Actually, I was doing this. Uh, 70. We did that a bunch of times. So, anyway. Uh, but we don't like extreme when it comes to us, do we? We don't want extreme when it comes to us. We'll watch it. and We'll be wowed by it when it's on TV. But we don't want extreme. But everybody wants a new look. Everyone wants a makeover. They want to look younger. They want to look more appealing. People spend big bucks to fix their nose. Some of you need your help. Fix your nose. Uh, their ears, their lips, their hips, and other stuff. Uh, most people don't go that crazy, though, if we're honest. They don't go that crazy. They will change their hair color, if you have it, or their hairstyle. But any type of makeover, though, no matter what the cost, only changes the outside. It's an exterior process. It's not changing the interior. It's not changing the inside. We can change the outside all day long. You can put new paint on your house and new shutters on your house and new windows on your house. From the outside, on the drive-by, it looks great. But on the inside, it may be unfinished. On the inside, it's a bunch of stud walls with no sheetrock. No light fixtures, right? It looks good on the outside, but what's going on on the inside? That's what the Bible here says in 2 Corinthians. The, out, the outside guy's perishing, but the inside guy, that's what we need to be worried about. Imperfect, serving the perfect. Sure, it can change your appearance, but it doesn't change you. Only God can do that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 For any man who is in Christ is a new creation. He's never existed before. When you come to Christ, Wyatt, you're a new creation. He's got his head set on. He's not listening to me. Um, he's never existed before. The calendar started, his life began right then in Jesus' eyes, in the spiritual. It's never existed before. And as we enter into 2023, I will declare to you all today that you don't need a facelift. You need a faith lift. You don't need an updated resume. You need a redeemer. Most Christians at one time or another find themselves in need of a makeover. 
We're looking for more in 2023. But if we want more of God, then guess what? God wants more of us. A makeover for Christ equals a change in spiritual position. God's desire for you is to renovate or to restore you to good condition on a daily basis. Lately, I've been asking myself, how do I prove who I am? When I go to the airport to get on an airplane, pull up my wallet, and I show them my ID. The TSA guy who is emotionless, ain't TCA employees here? You know, I said, dude, you can't make this face up. So I tell him every time. Sometimes they don't laugh at me. Most of the times they don't laugh at me. Imperfect serving the perfect, right? Uh, but my license is how I prove to a TSA agent that I am Donald Ray Kinder II. And here's my plane ticket. Now it's all on a phone, right? Very rarely do we have them printed. I got my app. They scan my app. They see this. They see this. They look at me. They stare me down. If you got a hat on, tell you take your hat off, right? All right, you can go. That's how I prove who I am in the natural. But how do I prove who I am to the world around me? How do I prove to them I am a Christian? Now, we know what the Bible says. And Pastor Mark talked about our vision last week, reminding us that we're here to connect, we're here to collide, and we're here to have compassion, right? We want to make a difference in our world with the three C's. And we know what Jesus says. They'll know we're his followers by our love for one another. All right. That's a real can statement. Right? Don't know, what's the song say? Don't know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Right? I still remember that like it was yesterday. That tone. <laughs> Nothing exciting about that song. It should have been, Don't know we are Christians by our love. I mean, it should have been some life in that. Right? It was a little... <laughs> like, nothing exciting about love, Right? But we know what the Bible says. Jesus says, your love, that's how people will know it. Jesus said, it will not be how we believed or all the good we're planning to do. He said, we all know it's how you love. It's how you love people. And it's how you love God. People have been trying at times to add to it. Let's be honest. But there's nothing to add. <laughs> there's nothing to add to that. There's, no, there's nothing else. That's Jesus said, you'll know we're, you're Christians by your love. For me and for one another. That's it. There is, there is no books you can write about that. There, there's no add-on to that. Love is something we must become. And in 2023, it will take a makeover in us as individuals to get that kind of love. In our daily walk. We are imperfect people serving a perfect God. So I want to take a brief look this morning at four different folks in the Word of God before we have communion and what God has laid on Don's heart. Look, every message I ever preach is for me first, except that one about sin where I pointed. No, uh, it's all about me first. Every message I get is for Don. I just get to share it with you, right? So I don't want you to think I'm standing up here just, right? This is, this is Don's message. You're just getting to hear what God has laid on my heart, what I need to work on in my life, areas and places that I need to go to and speak the name of Jesus, right? So I want to look at some people and how the love of God and how that they impacted their lives 
when they were impacted by Jesus. How that love changed them. They were not perfect. But this encounter with Jesus, it gave them a new perspective. A new chance to show the world who they were. So here are some real solutions, not resolutions, as I call them, for 2023. As you enter 2023, I want you to know your present circumstances do not determine where you can go. They just remind you where you're starting from. They're just reminding where you're starting from. So the very first thing that God told Don to work on this year, operate in the new, not the old. Operate in the new, not the old. Or the new creation, not the old version. And when I look at the life of Peter, God immediately took me to Peter. Don't be that guy. Right? We look at the life of Simon Peter throughout the New Testament. He was all over the place. Right? It's easy for us to puke. Like, Peter? Really? Why'd you do that, Peter? Why did you cut off Malchus's ear? Right? Why did Peter always did, most times Peter did the opposite of what he was told. Right? Am I wrong? He reacted just as Jesus said he was going to react. He denied just as Jesus said he was going to deny. Right? He always did the polar opposite of what he should have done. Right? And he could bounce back. He recovered from it. I mean, it was Peter at the Mount Transfiguration says, Hey, let's just build some tents and stay here. Right? He just wanted to stay up on the mountain. I mean, I can't blame the guy. Right? I would have been the same way. Can we just stay on Old Baldy with you and Jesus and Moses and Elijah? Can we just like hang out up here forever and just call it a day? Right? We would have been the same way. Right? We would have been the same way. In Luke chapter 22, Peter promises that he would die for Christ. God, Jesus, I will die for you. He said that. In John, in John 18, Peter fights for Jesus. He pulls out the sword and slashes off. I mean, look, there was a legion. A legion of soldiers. And anywhere you read a legion, I, I, my, the stuff that I read is anywhere from 40 to 400. Right? Depending on what you... There's a, there a lot of soldiers come to get Jesus. Which makes the miracle more powerful and says, where is Jesus? Jesus says, I am he. And all of them fell over. Right? I mean, that, that 400 people just go. Right? They all were slain in the spirit. Literally. Jesus said, I am that guy. Right? But here's Peter who's going to get rambunctious. And he pulls out a sword. Right? Cuts off Malchus's ear. Of course, you know, Jesus walks up to Malchus's ear and touches it. And his ear goes back on. Pretty amazing stuff. In John 18, the the very same chapter of John, he denies Christ three times. He just cut his Malchus's ear off because he was fighting for Jesus. A few chapters before, he said, I'm going to die for you. And now he's denying Jesus is is the Son of God. Peter exemplifies us all through Scripture. He was the one who had the foot-shaped mouth. How many of you ever put your foot in your mouth? I'd raise my other leg, but I'd probably fall. Uh, I have like, just shut up sometimes, Don. Uh, Peter was willing to die, but he wasn't willing to live. Huh. I'll die for you, Jesus. Jesus is not asking you to die for him. He died for us. He just wants you to live for him. Right? It's easy. I'll die for you. Jesus said, I want you to live for me. Right? What does it say in 2 Corinthians? That more and more may receive grace, right? It's beneficial for us all that more and more receive grace, right? 
He don't need you to die. He needs you to live. That, my friends, is the church of Jesus Christ's biggest problem. We talk a good game. But most of the time, we're just set on the bench. Early in Peter's life, Jesus always addressed Peter either as Simon, which represented his old life, the old version, or Peter, which represented the new version. Now you understand, old version, new version. Jesus also called him Peter when he represented the rock that he was supposed to be. When Jesus identified him as Peter, he was acting the way he was supposed to be. When he addressed him as Simon, he was acting like the old version. He was acting like Simon, not Peter. Peter was the leader. Some really cool facts about Peter. I don't want to beat the guy up. He's a pretty cool dude. Peter was the leader of the twelve. Jesus was shaping him and molding him to be that leader. Some interesting fact. Peter's name is mentioned in the Gospels more than any other name except Jesus itself. Pretty cool. No one disciple is so frequently spoken by the Lord. And no disciple ever rebukes the Lord either. <laughs> right? Let's be honest. No one else expressed Christ more boldly than Peter acknowledged him. His lordship more than Peter. No one did that. Yet no other disciple verbally denied Christ. As forcefully as public as Peter did. No one disciple was praised and blessed by Jesus the way Peter was. Yet Peter was the only one Jesus ever addressed to Satan. You see where I'm going here? Old version, new version. God says, Don, I want you to be the new version of you. I want you to be the new creation. Not what you were rescued from in 2023. You want to you go from imperfect, serving the perfect, and striving for perfection whenever we'll get there. I want you to be the new version of you. The new creation. The last time Jesus ever called him Simon was in John 21. When he asked him, do you love me? And three times Peter affirmed his love. Peter was exactly like most Christians, both carnal and spiritual. Sometimes Simon... Other times, Peter. Which are you today? You're the old version or the new version? Because we can be both. We can be both. He was also the greatest preacher among the apostles and was the dominant figure in the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts when the church began. Gosh. The good news is for us all today is God took an impulsive, unsubmissive, Some of y'all think I'm talking about you. Personality and shaped him to a rock-like leader. This offers us hope. God can use us all. (laughs) He can use us all. Many Christians are just like Peter. We say we would live, die for him. But all we really want to do for God is live for him. We compromise Christianity to fit our lifestyles. When in all actuality, we should be changing our lifestyles to line up with Christianity. We justify our situation we, to soothe our minds. Let me say this. If you felt it was wrong 10 years ago, it's probably still wrong. If you, 10 years ago you said, I would never do that. And now you're doing that. It's probably still wrong. Quit modifying the relationship. Quit being Simon and start being Peter. Let's be the new version, not the old version 
2023. This is the one we will prove to the world around us who we are. Number two, loving those not like us. Pastor Mark kind of touched on this last week. I had this in my notes. Jeff just asked a couple Wednesdays ago. First of all, Jeff, you're taking notes. Jeff's got notebooks. Mark and I sit down with Jeff Wednesday. He's got a Wednesday night notebook. He preached a sermon to Mark Wednesday night better than Mark probably preached it. There was some passion, wasn't it? Kelly was sitting there and was like, let's just sit Jeff up and read his notes because this is pretty powerful stuff. Uh, he said, Mark, you said this. And we're all sitting there going, yeah. All right. But Mark talked about this last week when he's talking about the compassion part of the vision. He actually talked about this man that I want to briefly look at in Mark chapter 5. Uh, the madman, the gathering, right? We talked about him briefly last week. Uh, but I, I want to point him out because this guy is not like us. This is not someone we want to love. This is not somebody we hang out with, right? We wouldn't hang out with this guy. Mark chapter 5, we read the story that Jesus and his disciples are going to the other side. They get to the other side, and guess what? There's a cemetery. They came to the other side of the sea, to the city of Garcinius. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. First of all, I'll be honest with you. I probably wouldn't hang out with that guy. Right? He's not on my list. Ten people I want to hang out with. Right? That's why I want to use him about loving people. Right? We're going to prove who we are by the way we love people. Right? We're going to prove Living Faith Church is going to capture people in this upper Cornwall Valley and then throughout the state of West Virginia and across the entire planet by the way we love people. Right? Not everybody is like us. Doesn't mean they're not worthy of our love. Doesn't mean they don't deserve the love of Christ. In their life. Doesn't mean that. The Bible is full of people just like me and you. And this madman is just like me and you. People that needed help from someone greater than themselves. One that, and they need one that can fix their flaws and their mistakes. This is a guy your mom told you to avoid. Right. Right? right? Some of you parents right now say, don't hang out with that person. Don't look at that person. Don't talk to that person. Don't sit beside that person on the bus, Right? what we're telling our kids. Look the other way. Right? This is that guy. This is the face that was on the evening news every night. This is that guy. This was the one that was always in the principal's office. This guy. You see, Jesus made this guy the first missionary. I do want to point that out. First missionary ever sent was this guy. Mark chapter 5. This guy was the first missionary. No one knew what to do with him. So they restrained him. He broke the chains. He lived in in caves. He cut himself with rocks. Sounds like an exciting lifestyle. No one had a place for him except one person. That was Jesus. Of course, you read the story. And and the boat arrives, the cemetery. We read there's 2,000 pigs off to the side. And I was thinking about that when I was typing this this week. We used to have here at Living Faith Church... Uh, remember that Easter thing we did? We'd do it two or three times. Sometimes we'd do a couple weekends. Matt was in it. And it was, it was actually pretty cool because we didn't have to do anything but act. It was a complete narration. It's some voice and we're just walking around acting out what was being said. Right? 
We were just acting out. Andy was Jesus. Well, Andy always could be Jesus. Favorites. Couldn't be Jesus now. His head's too white. Um, and we would just act out this play. And we would get to this point, though, in the story, right? And, and the Bible says that Jesus comes up. And, of course, there's this conversation going on between Jesus and this madman. And they said, what's your name? Uh, what, and he's, what do you want to do with... Actually, the, the man actually started the conversation. What do you want to do with me? What are you here for? Like, he knew who Jesus was, right? Speak the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And they go back and forth with this dialogue. And Jesus said, what's your name? My name is Legion, because we're many. And you know, la, 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 back and forth. And of course, you know, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to cast you out. And he's like, oh, don't make us leave. And send us to the pigs, right? Send us to the pigs. Of course, that was always the fun part in the play. We'd always be over here. You remember that? We was always right here in the Mad Man of Gathering. We were all disciples. I don't know. We, had, we probably had 12 disciples that time. Uh, we were all disciples. And, they would, and you hear the voice, send us to the pigs. And all of a sudden you hear, yeah, 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 Sound like Friday 13th or something. Like, of course, during pray practice, we're sitting there like we're stabbing people with a knife because that's what music sounded like. And then we would, it, we didn't, it didn't create it, but we just made it. It's like we all watched the pigs go over the cliff. <laughs> so we'd, we'd all be standing right there and we'd sit there and watch the pigs. <laughs> Again, we weren't talking. It was just all really good acting. Uh, man, we, we packed this place out. We would do that for like two weeks. Every Friday and Saturday for like two weeks. And they, there wasn't a seat in this place. I think some people kept coming back every night. I think, ain't that good? It's a great story. But ain't that, you can read that at home. Right? Uh, but I always remember that. We just watched the pigs go to the cliff. Uh, but that, this dialogue was going on. And, and, and we read in verse 15 to 17 that the man was cured. He meets Jesus. He met the one that completes him. As we read in Colossians 2.10. Colossians 2.10 says, he completes us. The madman met the one that could complete him. Right. We, yet the people of that city wanted him to leave. They didn't know what to do with it. Uh, let's have him leave. The world, the, what would cause people to rather have pigs and lunatics in the presence of God? Is the question I asked myself this week. What would cause a church to choose slumber over revival? What would cause people to prefer yesterday's traditions? Over today's living God. The answer is simple. The fear of change. Change is hard work. Change is never easy. It's easier to follow the same path. Than to move to uncharted waters. What happens next? We read in Mark 5. 18 through 20. He wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus said no you stay. He says go tell all your friends. And all your family. Go tell. You go tell. Before he commissioned the twelve, he commissioned him. You go tell. You stay and tell your story. You stay and tell your story. Powerful. And that's what he did. The commissioning of the first missionary. No training. No teaching. All he knew was that Jesus could handle all hell could throw at him. That's all he knew. That's all he knew. And apparently that was enough. He told him to stay where he was. And share with all. That's a challenge to us, church. Stay where you are and share with all. Share with all. He still sends a message to the unworthy. He still uses unworthy messengers today. Number three, no more counting. No more counting. Luke chapter 10, 
the story of Mary and Martha sitting at Jesus' feet. Right? You know the story? They're hanging out with Jesus. Jesus and his disciples are there. Mary, as we know, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha's doing what? She's working, man. She's cleaning. She's cooking. She's got the water boiling over the pot. She's trying to do six things at one time. She's trying to make everything perfect this way. She wants the meal to be ready. She wants everything to go down right. What's Jesus say? Martha comes to Jesus, complaining. I'm doing all the work, Lord. I'm doing all the work. What does Jesus say to Mary? Martha. What you're doing, that's great. But Mary's doing something more valuable. Mary's doing something more important. And I read that this week. It reminded me. I remember when our kids were little, we go to Chuck E. Cheese. How many of you ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? How many of you been back to Chuck E. Cheese? We go to Chuck E. Cheese. Um, we try to, maybe they got the grade cards and their, their grades were good, and, or maybe there was a birthday party. Um, and we go to Chuck E. Cheese, take the kids, $200 later for some so so pizza, right? And we go there, and there was this rat race to get all the tickets we could get. Right? We're playing skee ball. We're playing that clown game where you're knocking over the clowns. We're shooting basketballs. We're playing Wheel of Fortune, trying to hit the jackpot. Right? Then, then man, by the grace of God, some guy will come up and say, Hey, man, I got to go and give me a stack of tickets. I'm thinking, yes. And they're walking around with these tickets. Kids are, we would go, we'd be literally going over to machines and you see tickets and nobody had them. Because we're collecting tickets, we're counting tickets. Because we want a prize, right? I want a prize. Nowadays, you go to Chuck E. Cheese, we took Leah a few months ago. She didn't like Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, she didn't like pizza. She didn't like the games. Nowadays, you got ticket counters. You just walk in, slide all your tickets, and it prints you out a coupon. But back in the day, you, you just walk up to the counter and just drop all your tickets. Chest all out, two hours of video games, $79.87 later. And you got some guy making minimum wage, he's counting your tickets. You're making sure he's counting your tickets right. Because I'm going to get my prize. Right? We take all the kids' tickets and put them in one big pile. And they have all these big teddy bears and flashing lights and all these really cool looking prizes. And they count your tickets and you have 975 tickets. You're thinking, kids, we're going to hit the jackpot. And then all of a sudden they pull out a little box about this big. It's got a blow pop. A jack. A single jack. A pencil. Or an eraser. Not one. You don't get them all. You get one. One. I spent all that time chasing and counting tickets that had no value. I'd have been better off than went to Pizza Hut and then took the kids to Dollar, Dollar Tree and gave them $10 each. And spent less money. They'd have came out with more than a blow pop. You get a single blow pop with four kids, that don't go over very well. Kelly got the blow pop, probably. We, you see where I'm getting at here? In 2023, we need to quit counting tickets. Well, I did this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. 
Look, there's no value in that. There's, there's nothing in that. Jesus told Mary what, or Martha, what Mary's doing is more expedient. Didn't say it was, at that moment in time, it was more important. And that's what God's been laying on my heart. I have to know what's the most important thing at that time. At that time. I'll be the first person to tell you this morning. There are jobs and responsibilities. I'm not saying you don't work. There are jobs and responsibilities that are going on in this sanctuary or in these buildings right now that you have no idea are happening. They are completely behind the scenes. We're about to get a new camera system, and we're going to probably look for camera operators. We may be coming to you to help us with the soundboard. We need help in children's church. I can tell you that right now. We need help in nursery. I can tell you that right now. Right? If you want to volunteer for that, come see us after you take a wafer. But there comes a time we've got to realize when the most important is the most important. There comes a time we got to know. we got to quit counting tickets. we we got to quit working for something to just get a blow pop. Or double bubble bubble gum. Not a whole pack. A piece. We get busy sometimes working for the church that we miss the real reason of why we were working. We do our best and try to be everything to everybody, but we forget about the most important person, and that is Jesus himself. Martha was busy working. Mary was busy learning. Jesus told Martha that Mary is doing the right thing. Now, I'm not saying today we should not work at this church. I'm not saying that sometimes there are not some sacrifices that have to be made. Obviously, there are many things that happen behind the scenes. What I believe that Jesus means here is there is a time to work and a time to be fed. And according to Christ, he lets us know that Mary was doing the better of the two at that moment. So in this new year, we need to realize we must be getting fed the word of God. Word, then work is my motto for my life this year. Word first, then work. My motto. We must, as those who work in ministry, have a time to grow. A time to sit back and enjoy. A time to be ministered to. Instead of always teaching, we need a time to be taught. Instead of always leading worship, we need a time to worship. Instead of always being the encourager, we need someone to encourage us. Look, I'm going to bust your bubble this morning. We've been told... Our whole life. I probably even told you myself that it's not about you. Right? We've read books. It's not about you. We've got t-shirts. It's not about me. Actually, it is. It is about you. It is about you. I want to refute that. You're the one that's going to reach the lost. You are the one that is going to start a move of God. You're the one that has to answer God's call. You're the one that God uses. So yes, it is about you. You must take care of yourself spiritually because no one else is going to do it for you. Surprise! They won't. Man, if I'm relying on y'all to feed me, I don't even see y'all that much. Right? If you're just relying on Pastor Mark or myself on a Wednesday night or a Sunday, night me- Sunday morning message, if that's all you're eating all week, you're starving. You've got to feed yourself. 
You got to stir your own spoon. Got to. You have to take care of you. Doesn't mean there's not this body of believers to support and encourage and to help and lift you up. But at the end of the day, at the midnight hour, when you wake up at 2 a.m., guess what? I'm not there beside you. Just you and God. You better have a way of communicating. You need that relationship. Quit wasting your time on meaningless ticket counting when they have no value. Spend your time on building your relationship with Jesus. That relationship is built through serving. It's built through helping. It's built through being fed. In 2023, we need to know when it's meaningless and when it's needful. My wife will tell me all the time now, she's about to turn 50 in a couple weeks. I'm 50 years old. I've learned to say no, right? She can look at you now. She'll tell you no now, no. Before, it'd be like, all right, add it to the list, right? She'll tell you now, no, sorry, no, thank you. No, I haven't, right? We have to get to a place where we say, no, I've got something more important to do. I'd love to help a nursery, but I'm helping a nursery and children's church and youth and the fuel and the worship team, and I cook on Wednesday nights. You know what? No, no, I can't. I can't do that. I got to sit and be fed today. Got to be able to say no sometimes. And that no's got to be for your growth. And last but not least, uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. We read the story as Jesus is walking. These men bring a blind man to him. And he comes up to Jesus and said, will you heal him? Obviously, he's blind. The story goes on to tell me that Jesus spit and then touched his eyes. And then the blind man, Jesus said, what do you see? And Jesus says, I see men walking, but they look like trees. And the Bible says Jesus touched him again. The last point is, sometimes we need a second touch. Sometimes we need Jesus to touch us again. Maybe it's been years since Jesus touched you. Today can be your day of a second touch. Don, what's that mean? Did Jesus lose some power? Did Jesus lose some authority? Did that man not get healed? Actually, I just told you, the man was blind. All he saw was darkness. And when Jesus touched him the first time, he actually had sight. It just it wasn't very clear yet. The second touch cleared everything up. The Bible says after he touched him again, he saw everything clearly. And maybe today your world is cloudy. Maybe your world today is foggy. I'm here to tell you, I think you need a second touch. Because Jesus' second touch can bring clarity and clearness to the situation that you're facing. The second touch. But God, I've been touched. On March 20th, 1985, you touched my life. All right, what's happened since then? A second touch. As we enter 2023, maybe you need a second touch. To bring clarity. To clear up the fog. To allow God to truly open your eyes. The man was healed with the first touch. But that second touch brought everything into focus. And maybe today you need a second touch in your life. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for a calendar flip. A reset. Fresh start, as we like to call it. Lord, thank you that though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Continue to bless this time of ministry. In your name we pray.
Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed real quick. I gave you four things that God has given me for 2023. Things that I need to focus on. Things that I can do better. Because I'm an imperfect person serving a perfect God. I can be like Peter. Or Simon, as we should call him in that moment. And I can revert back to my old personalities, my old attitudes, my old knee-jerk reactions. And God is saying, I want you to work and walk in the new you, the new version of Don. And then he challenged me to love people that are not like me. Love people that most people deem unlovable. And that sounds uncomfortable. It's easy for me to love people that love me back. It's easy for me to love people that think like me and act like me and talk like me and that are in my world every day. But it's hard to love people that aren't like me, that don't think like me, that are polar opposite of what I see politically or what I see socially or what I see economically and what I see spiritually. And then he reminds me to quit counting tickets. Value, spend my time doing what matters when it's important. And lastly, he said, Don, maybe you need a second touch. So I ask you this morning, do you need a second touch? Maybe you've never had the first touch. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. You need that first touch first. If you're in this place, you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. Would you raise your hand up and down real quick and say, Don, that's me. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Anyone at all. You're in this place and maybe you need a second touch. You need God to clear some things up. To bring clarity to a situation. To get rid of the fog. Would you raise your hand and say, Don, that's me. I need a second touch. I see that hand and that hand and that hand. God bless you. God bless you all. I know I need a second touch. Sometimes I need a third touch and a fourth touch and a fifth touch and a tenth touch. We're going to sing a song of worship real quick. We're going to raise our feet. If you need prayer, if you raise your hand for any reason, this altar is open. God wants to touch you again. He can touch you again. He wants to bring clarity to that situation. He wants to, 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 to make you see clearly, not just physically, but spiritually. Discernment will be upon you. So would you come in Jesus' name? You raise your hand for any reason. You can bow and pray, or I would love to pray with you as well. So would you come in Jesus' name?